So, uh, there's much I want to share this morning. There's going to be a few things I'm going to throw out, which I know none of you have probably ever heard before. Um, I'm kind of excited about that, but one thing I do want you guys to do is always go back to the scriptures. Whenever we're studying God's word, it doesn't matter what any pastor, theologian, commentator has to say. What does the word of God say? And what a privilege we have to be able to have his word and to study it like we do. It is a gift, and his word is the greatest, I believe, the greatest gift uh, that we could have um, if you're a born-again believer. And as we conclude study this morning, I hope that you guys are so stirred up and encouraged in such new ways uh, that you will have a deeper hunger and desire for his word. Um, so there was an experiment about 244 years ago. Um, 1776 was the year, July 4th, they wrote this document that we're all familiar with. That's the Declaration of Independence, right? All men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, right? And among these are what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How's that been working out? Let's be honest. 244 years later, you know, not a lot of people are that happy, are they? I look around, guys, it's crazy. Here in the United States, the most prosperous, most blessed nation in history Okay? We're going to have a reality check before we jump into the scriptures this morning. We're the most blessed people in the world. If you make more than $32,000 as a household, you're in the 1% richest people upon the planet. Okay? We are blessed. And yet, guys, Americans take more anxiety pills than any other country upon the earth. In fact, guys, we in America take more anxiety, depression, meds, than the whole world combined here, just in the United States, three times over. So how is this experiment going for you and I? How has it worked out over the last 244 years? And yet we place a whole lot of hope in that. We want to hold to it. And I want to lay before us this morning, guys, Jesus Christ is our only hope. In him is the only place we can find true happiness. I do believe that. I've experienced that. I know that. And a lot of you guys can testify to the same. It's been crazy, guys. <clears throat> Just this last year, um, the elections were nuts. Okay, Aren't you guys glad the election years passed us? Isn't it crazy how much we're still living in that chaos, though? I'm mean, like, okay, it's over and done with. And yet, everybody's undone. Do you guys know that wellness apps on the... Uh, on your phones went up over 30% right after the elections were finished. Wow, people looking for hope, for happiness. What can I do? And that's always the question. What do I need to do in order to have this happy life? Guys, we're the most depressed generation in history. That's what they're saying. We, right now, are the most depressed What's up with that? Well, we're distressed and we're in debt. Speaking as an American, again, I just told you guys, we're the richest people, most blessed people who've ever lived, physically speaking, economically speaking. And yet, we're stressed out. We're depressed. Worried about tomorrow. And we're crazily in debt. I don't know how we take, you know, $1.9 trillion dollars 
that'll fix everything. No, that just puts us in a hole. And let's talk about three trillion more. I don't get that. I don't get it. You guys know that there's a suicide today every 40 seconds. Every 40 seconds, somebody thinks life's not worth living. That's the world we're living in today. Here in the United States, 123 people will kill themselves today because they have no hope. Tomorrow's not worth living. In the last two weeks, I've talked with three different people who are suicidal and have tried to take their life. Last two weeks. That's not normal. What's going on? Spring's here. I don't know how many of you guys are excited that the sun's finally out and the grass is green, right? Life's worth living. And yet we have people right now not wanting to live another day. We have doctors today. They're fighting everything. They're fighting cancer. They're fighting a global pandemic. You guys know that suicide is now in the top 10 causes of death. Think about that. So, I think about who's fighting for that. Who's fighting for life? Do you guys know why Jesus came? John 10.10, I'll even give you the reference. Why did he come? To give life, and life abundantly. Satan wants to kill. So, when it's to the point that we're not just killing each other, but now we're willing even to kill ourselves, who's behind that? That's demonic. That's from the pit. That's Satan having his way. But Jesus, he came with a purpose. He came, guys, for freedom's sake, we're told in the scripture. He came to give life and life abundantly. And Pilate, when he asked Jesus, why did you come? Jesus said, I came to bear witness to the truth. And that's what the world is looking for right now. They want to know the truth. They want a real hope. And it's only found in him. But are we willing to listen to him, to trust him? I sure hope you are. You see, guys, we have means, but a lot of people are living without meaning. That's what's taking place today. We've been given everything. We are most blessed, but we're missing that meaning. And we've been created for what reason? To glorify God, to have relationship with him. As I was driving the church this morning, I didn't know we weren't going to have a worship team this morning. So doing up things a little different. My prayer before the Lord was that our worship would really please him. And as I was praying through that, he was kind of speaking to me. He's just, he's, he's, you know, he's worthy. He's God. He's God Almighty, creator of all things. Okay. He's worshiped. Even if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out. I mean, that's how cool he is, right? And as I was considering and talking with him, it just, I felt like the spirit just dropped into my heart that the key to worship, it's more about us than about him. Not that it isn't about him, but it's right. And when we are doing what is right for us as his creation, it just works. That's why we're here. So what's the meaning of life? It's about Jesus, guys. And I want you to have hope. We have great hope in him. Planet Earth today, it's not a playground. We wanted to make it a playground, but it is a battleground. People are dying, and they're going to hell for eternity. Jesus came to give us life, eternal life. Do you guys feel like we're in a war? Do you sense that? 
Or is it just about, hey, it's about my comfort. It's about having fun. It's about playing. You see, guys, I believe we need the Prince of Peace's power. That's what we need. Because that's what the world's looking for, right? Peace, but you're not going to find it without the Prince of Peace, and that is Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs, and we need his power because we can't do it on our own. Again, Zechariah 4, 6, okay? It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And when we walk life in his spirit, we're going to find that might and that power because it's of him. It's in him. It is from him. And I love this, guys, because when we do that, when we are abiding and walking in his spirit, then there will be rejoicing. You guys know what I'm talking about? Let me, that's when my heart turns, gets excited, is rejoicing, is when I'm walking with him. Even in a bad day, in a crummy circumstance, when we are walking with the Lord, our heart just rejoices. When we just worship the Lord the way we're supposed to as his creation, our heart just rejoices. Even in the midst of a storm, we are able to rejoice. And that's what I love about Romans 5 here. And I want us, as we consider the first 11 verses together this morning, I want you to catch all the rejoicing that is taking place in this passage. Okay? I want to look at our benefit package here in verse 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only are we justified, and we've talked about that at length as we've been studying through Romans here, that means our debt's been forgiven, okay, justified, it's been paid for, we've been made righteous also, guys, okay? So his, you know, righteousness is placed on our account. Man, we have a lot to rejoice in. But wait, there's more! Did you guys catch the peace there? We also have peace! Isn't that wonderful? And what type of peace is that? That's God's peace. That's shalom peace. It's that peace that God gives his kids that surpasses all understanding when we're tripping and then God just downloads his peace into our heart and we're just like, what? Where is this coming from? And there's nothing like it. Um, I saw a sign in front of a church one. It It said, if life is a puzzle, look here for the missing piece. And they spelled peace, P-E-A-C-E. I thought that was like a very catchy, really cool, because that's exactly what we're looking for. A lot of people are looking for that peace. Just what's the thing I need, you know? Well, that peace, it's Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you're going to have true peace. And it's hard to explain. I wish I could just, you know, download that peace we have as believers to an unbeliever just for a moment. Just kind of like, hey, here, just have, you know, the peace of God for a second. And then, I, then you'll hopefully turn to Jesus and give your life to him. Um, but we don't really want God's peace, okay? And I'm talking about we as mankind. Because we're going everywhere and trying everything except turning to God. Why do we do that? We place hope in men, in governments, our initiatives. I read a cool thing. Therapy is on the rise, too. If we have this many people who are really struggling. Okay. 
Um, and they cost a lot of money. I don't know if you guys have been to therapy. A lot of money to go see a counselor. Um, but do you know that talking to God about your hopes and your fears and your dreams, you just talk to him. It has a better effect on you than going to therapy on a regular basis. Think about that. One of the leading neuro guys placed in our brain that therapy, when you work through things, just talking, praying, talking to God about your fears, the things you're hoping in, the things you're dreaming about, better than therapy, go figure. Why is that, guys? Because God is a wonderful counselor, and he's free. Why wouldn't you want to go talk to him? Think about it, guys, okay? So go to God, get his power, and stop going to people for pity, isn't that what we're doing when we're going to the counselors? I had a short stint of talking with counselors. I was encouraged to do so. Didn't want to do it. Encouraged to do so. And it did nothing for me. Okay? I've counseled a lot of people. I see counseling work. Okay? It's a useful thing, especially when it's biblical. You know, when we have a brother or sister who's able to come alongside us and point us to Jesus Christ and the truths and the promises of his word. That's a beautiful thing. And we should be doing that for one another. But when I was in a place of despair, and I was counseling with somebody, I wanted to paint a picture for him. I want you to see how rough things are for me. I know what's really going on. These circumstances aren't that bad. This is life. Nothing unique going on. But man, the depth of what I'm feeling, <laughs> the despair in which I'm going through, the depression, this fog this cloud you know i want you to really get it and can we have a pity party in our session that's really what i'm wanting and the holy spirit grabbed a hold of my heart and said knock it off that ain't gonna do nothing but i find that with a lot of people who are struggling is they just want someone who understands well the cool thing about god is he does understand he sees it all he knows our thoughts. He even understands the intents of our hearts in those things. He gets us, guys. And the cool thing is, he isn't casting judgment. He loves us in it. And he has answers and hope to give in the midst of it all. So, um, places that are most painful are often the same place where God speaks to us most powerfully. I want to share a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I love it. Everything that's been going on globally, because what's going on this last year, it's not just here in the West. This has affected all people's all around the world. And I feel like God's trying to get people's attention. Okay? And I've seen that in so many people's lives. Things are reprioritized. Okay? We're really weighing out what matters. And that's a good thing. Everybody just wants to get back to normal. I don't know if normal was a good thing. Again, guys, we are the most depressed generation. And this isn't because of the last year. This was going on before this pandemic. Are you guys okay with God changing things up a little bit to get our attention? Absolutely. Why? Because people are going to find hope. They're going to find peace. 
because they're finally broken. Because it's in our pain, guys. God shouts. This last week at my pastor prayer time, we did a devotion in Job. Okay, we're considering some scripture, but God brought me to a couple other scriptures in Job. Do you guys know it was a whirlwind that took everything away from Job? You guys can check that out in the early chapters. Whirlwind came, lost everything he had, his family, all his stuff. And then the chapter after the passage we were considering, it says that after all the stuff that God spoke to Job in a whirlwind. Wow. Think about that, guys. God spoke. The same whirlwind that causes us so much pain, God speaks. Are we listening, though? That's the thing. I don't want to listen. I just want to hurt and let everybody else know and tell them how badly I'm hurting right now. No, there are times for us to listen to God. And I think right now, this time in history, this generation... God is speaking very loudly. But are we going to allow in more noise? It's crazy. I see so many people tripping over headlines. What's being told us today? Guess what? It's going to be something different tomorrow, and then we'll be tripping about that. And guess what? The day after that is going to be something else. It's just one thing after another. No wonder we don't have time to listen to God. Because all we're worrying about is what we're seeing And that's constantly changing. And all it's doing is tossing us around, beating us up. So, fight despite how you feel. I'd like to encourage you guys to do that. Do you guys know that our feelings dictate 95% of what we decide to do? Think about that for a second. Our feelings. Our feelings true. They're real. (laughs) But are they true? Not always, guys. Okay? I struggled with depression for years. Years. Felt horrible. Felt like not getting out of bed every single day. It's horrible. Unless you've gone through it, you have no clue. Because I thought I knew what it was to be down, to be depressed. But then you fall into a real depression. Okay? And it's nasty. And you're hoping it's going to go away. Whoa. Okay, this has been a few days of this. I've never had it last this long. Maybe it'll go away later this week. Well, that week turns into a month. That month turns into years. What's going on? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm seeing the doctors. I'm trying medications. I'm seeing counselors. I'm on my knees. I'm broken. I've repented of every sin I think I can have. You know, why isn't anything changing? And then you start living on your feelings. And that's not a good thing. Because the truth is, God didn't change. He was still the same despite how I felt. And I struggled with some of those things because I wanted to talk with him about my ideas and thoughts about who he was. My prayer life was affected because of, you know, how I was feeling. But he was still listening. He was still there. He hadn't forsaken me even though I felt he had and that's what we do as human beings we base so much on how we're feeling we should be more logical than that right we should be smart enough to go on what we know to be true on what god has declared what's going on around us 
And that scares me a little bit when I hear it's that high of a percentage that we're going to decide what we are doing with our lives on how we are feeling. You see, we either retreat to ourselves, which is not a good thing to do, right? Ourselves are kind of twisted and off, and God tells us to die to self, right? Um, I know for myself, when I get all about me, it normally leads to sinful things, and that's not a good thing, okay? Or we can choose not to go on our feelings, okay? Because our feelings is all about self, okay? Instead, I'm going to go, you know, on in truth, and the truth is maybe, you know, I feel like I'm not loved, but I am loved, okay? I may feel like I don't care about those people or want to love them like God's told me to because I just feel empty, I feel bankrupt, I feel like I got nothing to give, but he calls me to do that. That's the truth. So what do we do with those feelings, you know? Well, we can retreat to ourselves and be sidelined, or we can make the darkness pay. That's truth. We can live according to our feelings, which most often <laughs> are going to be self-centered and going to derail us. And when you're down and stressed out and depressed, you want to be isolated. I don't know if any of you guys have ever struggled with depression. Last thing you want to do is be around other people. Well, you do want to be around other people, but you don't have the energy or the will. And there's a lot of fears that it hatch itself to actually being around others so it's just easier to stay by yourself but God's not created us for that okay he's created us to engage to love one another to go and live out the great commission you can't be an ambassador for Jesus Christ being isolated we're called to go so um, I think about the principalities, powers of darkness that are out there that we fight against. A lot of times we're looking at what? The temporal. What can we see? You know, what's going on on the headlines? You know, we feel like that's that battle. How many of you guys right now, you don't have to raise your hand, but your biggest battle right now is a relational thing. It's that one person in life that you've been struggling with. There's conflict there. There needs to be some resolution, some reconciliation taking place we get so tripped up in a circumstance okay even what's going on all around the world we get so tripped up well this is what's going on and this is gonna cripple me or we can say no i'm gonna walk in the truth what does god call me to do okay he's called me to live life to live for him how does that look well i gotta go <laughs> i got things to do i gotta be on mission i'd be loving the lord so, I want to encourage you guys, make the darkness pay, okay? There is a battle going on, okay? Again, it's not a playground. It is a battlefield out there. And are we living and engaging in such a way? There are people who are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. Are we living out the gospel, despite how we're feeling, okay? Um, don't lie in the ashes. We need to rise up. Rise up. I had years where there wasn't a day I was excited about getting out of bed, but I got out of bed every single day. You just do it. This is the truth. I don't feel like doing this today. I don't feel like going to that meeting, getting that done, going to work. I don't feel like loving and serving. But the truth is, this is what God calls us to do. And we make decisions based on truth, not how 
we feel. Does that make sense, guys? So I believe that we are called, okay? And again, the church, when it comes to depression, okay? And we're seeing a lot of it today. There's a lot of suicides going on. Um, the church, uh, I think, has mishandled it in a lot of ways. Uh, I grew up in a church that taught if you were depressed, you were a failure. You didn't have enough faith. If you took meds to help, that was sin. That's what I was taught from the pulpit. And I have a hard time with that because I see in the scriptures, there are mighty men and women of faith who struggled with depression. I mean, we think of Elijah. I mean, he was the prophet there transfigured with Jesus on the mount representing all the prophets. Read his life, guys. The dude was depressed. I mean, he had ravens ministering to him, bringing him food, and a widow when he's down and out. And then he really got depressed, wanting to die. And who shows up? God himself. The angels were ministering to him. You know, and that is just one example, but we see many in the scriptures. I don't know if you guys ever read King David, the dude's bipolar. Let's be honest. Have you guys read the Psalms? Up and down. And what are we told about King David? You know, one second he's praising the Lord like crazy. And then the next moment he's crying out, God, kill me. I want to be done. You know, there's no point in going on. It's just up and down. But David was what? A man after God's own heart. Isn't that cool? So I want to encourage you guys, okay? <laughs> Depression is a real thing that even godly people struggle with. But I also want to say this. Depression can be defeated. I believe that with all my heart. I believe in this passage that's set before us. We do find hope. And we can't let depression define us. God defines us. There is hope. And a lot of people are to the point, well, there is no hope. There's no point for tomorrow. I'm giving up today. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? Today, right now, doesn't define tomorrow. Do you understand that? And we don't know. I didn't expect years of depression. Had no idea. I was to the point, I didn't know if it was ever going to end. I thought, hey, maybe this is what life is until the day Jesus comes to take me home. Maybe this is just what I need to live with. Maybe this is the thorn in my flesh. In my heart before the Lord, even though it hurts so bad, I was just like, let your will be done. I don't understand it. I didn't ask for it. I don't feel like I'm feeding it. I'm trying to fight it the best I know how. I'm exhausted. You guys who have struggled with depression know what I'm talking about. It is a fight. You feel like you're just dragging. You can't get any forward movement. It's hard. But again, what's the truth? There's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. I'm a child of the king. There's glory set before me. Eternity with Jesus. I got a lot to live for. So I believe we're called to defeat depression. I want you guys to jot down Psalm 42, verse 5. And this is a scripture, a psalm that the most beloved king of Israel 
whoever lived, wrote, a man after God's own heart, David, he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, he says, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So here, he's speaking to himself. I'm feeling down. (laughs) Soul, you've been tripping out. Soul, you need to hope in God. That's what you need to do. He's preaching to himself. You guys ever preach the gospel to yourself? That's a good thing to do. Daily. Yep, you're a sinner. (laughs) Yep, God loves you despite you. He loves you so much, he was willing to die on the cross for you, give his life for you, that you can have life. That you can be forgiven. That you can be set free. That you can have eternal life. It's good to preach to ourselves. Another scripture that I love is Hebrews 6.19. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul. You guys understand what we have in Christ, that good news. It is an anchor. What does an anchor do? It holds us in place. Okay? That we're not just drifting away. And isn't it cool, guys, to be anchored to the rock of ages? We are anchored to him. Yeah, it might be rough. We might be being pushed a little this way, maybe pushed a little that way, but we're not going to drift away. He's got us. He's got you. Now, this passage before us here in Romans 5, okay? When I was going through it, (laughs) uh, this passage ministered to me in so many ways radical ways it was something that i was able to cling to because the first couple of verses here it's it's exhorting us to rejoice in god that's the command here okay so jesus changes our identity do you guys understand when he tells us and declares us to be justified your identity is changed okay man a lot of people want to find their identity in my anxieties okay I'm depressed. This is who I am. Okay. And it was a fight to stand and say, no, my identity is in Christ. I'm a child of God. I've been justified. I'm his kid. I am loved by him. I have worth in his eyes. Though you don't feel those things, that's the truth. And we have the choice. Are we going to choose to live in that truth Or are we going to allow how we feel to determine our identity? One of the hardest things I've had to do through the years was counsel a young gal who was a cutter. And you guys know somebody that just cuts themselves because the pain, the physical pain is better than what's going on with the mental pain. In my heart, there are times I would just weep as I met with her. New scars again this week. My heart just broke for this young lady. And she found her identity and how she was feeling. It was all about the loss and the grieving and the pain. Okay, But one thing that I loved about this young woman, she received God's word as truth. Brand new believer, got saved in the time that I knew her, but she received what God had to say. 
And I wish I could tell you guys it was just that one time meeting with her and opening the scriptures completely set her free. No, it was a process and it took time. Okay. Very suicidal, multiple attempts. Okay. This gal, I wish I could tell you today is completely set free. She's not, she still has struggles, but she hasn't cut in years. There hasn't been an attempt on her life in years, guys. She's being sanctified. She's finding more and more of her identity in who she is in Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. And I want to tell you guys, I wish you know we could defeat every depression, every mental illness, every false identity in a second. You know, And for some people, the Lord will just do that. <laughs> some of us, guys, it's a process. It's a work. It's sanctifying. So the rejoicing we can find is actually in our true identity. Because Jesus, you understand Jesus changes our relationship with God? It's because of him. We were once at war with him. <laughs> Enemies under his wrath. And because of Jesus, now what? Now you're my dad? <laughs> I'm loved and accepted? Think about that. Jesus changes everything. So to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, do you understand how radical of a statement that is here? Okay? So from wrath to peace, it doesn't get better than that. Do you guys understand why this passage of Scripture is so awesome for you and I as believers? I don't want us to miss this. Okay? So peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Is there global peace today? Uh-uh. Is there national peace? Because we are the United States of America, and because we are so united here in the United States, of course we're going to have peace with one another. No, I've never seen this country so divided. What's going on? So there's not even national peace. Is there personal peace? In Christ, yes. Think about that, guys. The world is tripping. Circumstances in our own country right in our own backyard here. It's a mess. Chaos. Wars. But we can have inner peace? Really? That only comes with Christ, guys. A lot of people ask, why aren't you tripping, Landon? <laughs> why aren't you tripping about these vaccines, about COVID, about all this stuff going on? We're pulling out of, what is it, Afghanistan. Okay? Okay. That's just going to give room for the terrorists to do their thing, gain momentum, get their stuff, and wage war on us again. Why aren't you tripping on that stuff? I'm in Christ. <laughs> I have peace. You know, I do care. And if there was something I could do to fix things, I'd do it, but I'm clueless. All I know is God has planted me here in Northeast Wisconsin. I live around these people. I have these relationships and family. This is where God's placed me, and that's where I can make a difference. That's where I live. Tripping about this stuff that's out of my control, that's just going to derail me and waste my time from what God's put before me. I've been called to this ministry of reconciliation. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. I've chosen to follow him, and that's just been a reality of following him. That's what we're called to do. What if we just took a quarter of the time sharing the gospel with people as, you know, 
in light of how much time we spend talking politics and reading stupid articles and watching the news. Hmm. I think we might have national peace if we actually went and shared the gospel. You guys know that 80% of people would come to church if they were just invited? 80%. I just recently heard church attendance is the lowest it's ever been, under 50%. I'm like, that's a bummer. Freedom Fellowship is growing. We had to go to two services. I'm kind of excited we're doing this. One in five churches are going to close this next year in America. One in three pastors are stepping out of the pastorate this next year. I know three personally. Longtime pastors this last year just put them over the edge. And it grieves me. I get it. There are a lot of stresses and pressures on being a leader and being a pastor, it's very unique and different. But at the same time, if church leadership aren't making it, where's the hope in the church? The hope's in Jesus Christ. It's in him. That's why for years, I got my butt out of bed, and I put the study in. I'd get on my knees despite how I felt. I'd show up every Sunday, despite how I felt. Because the word of God, that's truth. How we feel is just how we feel. It comes and goes. Guys, we can have peace, but when we're at war, I want you guys to catch this. When there's two parties involved in anything, okay, there's always going to be a demand for ownership. There's always going to be a control issue. Would you guys agree with me on that? Okay, it's always going to equal war. Okay, so life in the world, you know, just those two things, there's going to be war going on. I think about us versus God, you know, there's even a battle there. The only thing that we can do to find peace, catch this, it's surrender. Have you surrendered to Christ? If you haven't, you're at war with God. And I know. Christians, people who believe on Christ, who are actually fighting with God. God, I know you're asking me to do this. <laughs> I know your word says this, and this is how I ought to live. You called me to be a peacemaker, but I don't want to be a peacemaker because really, there's a lot of junk going on, and I really just want to bicker and fight and be stupid like the rest of the world. So we're, we're, at, we're at war right now, God, because I can't do it your way. I want to do it my way. When there are two <laughs> fighting over control, you're never going to find peace, guys. That's why we're taught in Scripture that surrender is the most beautiful thing that we can do as Christians. I don't know about you guys, but I've learned and I trust that God's ways are better than ours. Would you guys agree? How can we not say yes to him? I mean, he's God. I mean, we should just bow the knee and humble ourselves and say, yeah. <laughs> And he'll give grace. And let me tell you what, guys. The world's looking for peace. and ain't going to happen until we surrender to him. I look forward to Jesus coming back. Okay? The government will be upon his shoulders. He's going to right every wrong in this world. Okay? The Prince of Peace will literally be here on planet Earth. I look forward to that. Last night during devotions with our kids, we didn't have time in the scriptures last night. We just prayed together. And it was neat during our prayer time because it just led into the reality of being with Jesus you know, for all time and how, look, you know, forward looking to that day 
But we were talking about, and then our prayers led to us praying that the Lord would just come back quickly. Because my kids, you know, we talk about what's going on in the world. Okay? We don't really get tripped up on everything that's happening right here in America. Okay? We do discuss that. They know what's going on. But there are things going on all over the world. Okay? And God is a big God, and he's doing things all over the world. So it's kind of excited just to enlighten their eyes to what God is up to. But it's so cool because there are struggles everywhere. And you see my children praying that the Lord would return. For that to be in their hearts, that's huge. Okay, do we all have that in our heart? Like, yeah, you're our hope. <laughs> Can't wait for you to come back. So when we surrender to him, we have peace. So Jesus changes our emotions. Um, why? Because we're told here in this passage, guys, we have access then into grace in which we're able to stand. I hope that's underlined and we get to rejoice in that hope. So from being tossed and hopeless to being able to stand and have hope. Do you guys see the difference there? It's one or the other. And I want us guys, as God's kids, to be able to stand upon his word, upon his promises, upon these scriptures. And again, that's not based on our feelings, it's based on the truth. <laughs> this is where I'm going to stand. And we get to rejoice. We have hope because of that. Now, you may not feel relief. I want you guys to get this. You may not feel relief but you will be able to rejoice. I can tell you, years of depression, not very happy, but I had much rejoicing going on in my heart. Okay? My, my psychiatrist thought I was bipolar. They didn't know what to do with a man of faith. Wait, you feel this way? All your tests are showing this? <laughs> but you're able to rejoice? This is not normal. You have hope? You want to die, but you're not suicidal. This doesn't, this doesn't work. This doesn't fit. And I was never suicidal. My wife, family, many were concerned. Are you going to kill yourself? No, I'm not going to kill myself. I go see the doctor. Are you going to kill it? No, I'm not going to kill. Why? How can you feel so down and so depressed and not want to take your own life? Because that's sin against God. That's one truth. Another truth is, I have hope. This life isn't about me. The truth is, it's about God. He ordains my steps. There is always hope for tomorrow. And despite how bad things are right now, I have a joy. I can't explain it, but just being his kid, there's a real joy. I don't feel happy, but I have a joy. I have a hope that is real and I can rejoice in Christ Jesus. They don't get that, guys. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You're not always happy, but your joy, because you are a child, you're truly born again. Where, is, where does that come from? You know? It's Jesus. It is just Jesus. You guys, we always need a person or a purpose that's bigger than us to give us meaning in life. And that's the problem. Because most today are living for who? Themselves. 
or they place their hope in someone else and they let you down. They blow it. Or they blow out their knee in a game and they can never play again. I mean, how easily do we elevate people whom we choose to worship and then we find our identity in them? And if that is lost, then we're lost. That's our human nature, guys. But I want to move on because the next few verses are huge. Look at verse 3 here in Romans 5. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Or you may have a translation that says suffering. Glory in sufferings. Knowing that our tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, when it, ta- when it comes to character and emotions, um, our emotional health, uh, it's forged through hardships. How many of you guys would say, yes, I've experienced enough life to know that is true? Okay, Character has been built. Okay, Perseverance is a good thing in our lives. Uh, so we rejoice, we're told here in tribulations. I want to talk real quickly to moms and dads in this room. <laughs> room. We want to do everything to protect our kids. Okay. I'm in a season right now where my kids are starting to make some of their own choices, are getting old enough that they're starting to do things on their own. And as a parent, that's kind of hard because I just want to keep them safe. You guys know what I'm talking about? You want to protect your children. But you guys know that we can't do everything for our kids. That's not a healthy thing. They need to actually deal with real life. They have to make some decisions that may cause some pain, some suffering. We got to let go And mom and dads, we want to run and fix it all the time, okay? You know, even in relationships, there's some times where, hey, it's not good that your buddy was saying that or did that to you. I'm going to call their parents and we're going to work this out, you know? By the grace of God, I've actually said, nope, we're just going to let this play out. You need to learn how to deal with this, to go through this pain, to work through this and allow God in that perseverance to establish you build some character in you. So mom and dads, it's okay for your kids to suffer. I know it's hard for us to see our loved ones go through things, but that's what God's going to do to grow us. Okay, we look at a generation right now, okay, they don't know what to do with themselves. We have a whole generation that was pampered. Oh, you get a trophy because you showed up today. You didn't win, but you get a trophy. You know, it's one of those things. We want them to feel so good about themselves. Do you guys know that every child today is special, unique, better than others? No, most are just normal. But are we telling them the truth? No, you need to learn to deal with reality, with life. Things are hard. Work's not easy. You need to learn to work. It's a discipline. There's responsibility there. And why do we have a generation that doesn't want to work today? They didn't learn to suffer. Didn't learn what trials are. Trials are good. Well, we just want to be comfortable. We just want to be, we want everything to get back to normal. That's what we want. We want to be comfortable again. No, it's okay that we're suffering. It's a good thing. Because I'm hoping there's going to be some character that's built, not within just the church, but just in general. I think it would be a very good thing. So, um, we rejoice in our tribulations. So that, um, troubles that 
inflict distress or oppression, affliction, tribulation, hardship. Why? Because knowing tribulation produces perseverance. You guys catch this? So it's good. Perseverance. What are we going to do to make it through this? Sometimes we need to refocus. Sometimes to get through a situation, we have to remove something altogether. Sometimes reprioritizing is very important. I've seen a lot of that happening with many people lately. Um, but you know, if we refocus, remove, and reprioritize things, it doesn't mean that there's going to be change or things are going to improve. Do you guys know that? That's not a guarantee. You can do all the right things. It doesn't mean things are going necessarily to get better. And are we okay with that? Yeah, because we just keep persevering despite that. So, character produces hope, we're told. Oh, actually, I missed one. Perseverance, character. Character is huge. You guys understand that? Character's huge. That's what God cares about in you. He doesn't care about our success. Look at all the things I did. <laughs> but who are you? That's what he cares about. Do you guys know as Christians, we're becoming more like Jesus every day? Isn't that cool to think about? Amen. That's what God cares about. Are we more like Jesus today than we were yesterday? I think if you walk with him, if you're humble before him, if you're really praying, God gives you daily opportunities to grow, to persevere, to become more like him. And a lot of that is dying to self. Do you guys know that? Jesus humbled himself. We can humble ourselves and we can serve. We can love. So um, a lot of people... Um, <laughs> Character counts, okay? And counting a lot of things, people like to count calories sometimes. People like to count um, their dollars. Some people like to count ballots. You know, <laughs> counting character is the thing that matters most in this life, guys. That's what matters. Um, yeah. Don't be a sounding gong. Got a lot of that going on today. I like that, Kelly. Do the gong again. <laughs> so, character produces hope, we're told here. So, suffering burns away all the objects of faith other than God. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, once you've been through a few wars, uh, you smile, you know, when you put on your boots. Here we go again. Been down that road. This is going to work out. It's going to be okay. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's things we face and we trip hard. This is how I don't want, that's the last thing I want to do. Anything else, okay? Anything. I'd even eat vegetables instead of having to do that, okay? Whatever the thing is. But once we've been down that road a few times, it's just like, all right, I know God's got this. Been there before. I had one of those this last week. I had to meet with a couple. It was a hard conversation. I knew what it was going to be about, but I've had many of them in the past and I knew God was going to be faithful and give the grace. And guess what? God was faithful and he gave the grace even in a very hard situation. Okay? Um, so we need to know hope does not disappoint. Uh, you often cannot not decide what happens, but you can decide who you become. Okay? Let me say that again. You can't decide what happens, but you can decide who you become. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't know what's going on in your lives. I know we all have something. It's on us what we choose to do with it. Through this, who am I going to become? Who do I want to be in 
this. That's my choice. I don't have to let this circumstance, this thing dictate. Now, I want you guys... I gotta watch the clock because we're now doing another service. You guys like to talk too much. Um, I do want to share this because I know a few of you guys have a heart to to serve, to be in leadership, which I think is good. It's just a natural part of life as we grow. Um, but leadership, um, I think a big part of it is learning to have a greater pain threshold. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, to be a good leader, actually, people that you know we are able to look up to, it's because we can look into their life, and they've they've grown and they matured, and it came through a lot of hard stuff normally to get to that point. And to make my point on this, do you guys know who suffered more than anyone else? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He suffered, and he was the greatest leader of all time. He had to go through it. That's just part of life, guys. Now, I want to wrap this up. We get to rejoice in reconciliation. Also, look at verse 6 with me. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by the or by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So who were you guys? Glad you asked. You were ungodly, sinners, wrath was upon you, enemies of God. You guys know that every single relationship needs a sacred moment. Think about the day I got married to Sonny. That was a sacred moment in our relationship. Okay, commitments were made, a covenant was made there. And the same thing, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you guys understand? You're entering into a covenant relationship with him, an eternal relationship. Everybody needs to have that moment. Some of us, well, my spouse is a believer, or mom and dad were believers, you know? No, you personally need to come into that relationship with your creator, with God yourself, so how were you saved? We're told here, Christ died, right? You're saved by him. So if God was you know, for you when you were enemies with him, how much more is he going to be for you now that you are, what the Bible says, friends now with him? Think about that. How much more? Also, guys, if God did not give up on us when we're at war with him, okay, he's not going to give up on us now that we're at peace with him. This is just logical stuff. So who are you now? Well, we're told here you're loved, you're justified, and you're saved. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Do you guys think that there's a little bit of hope in this passage of Scripture for you and I? Absolutely, guys. So who do you love so much, okay, um, that you would die for? Okay, well, maybe a few people, maybe. My mom, she loves me. I know she'd give her life for me. That's what moms do. I don't know if she'd give her life for anybody else. Do you like my siblings? Yeah, she would. Anyways. <laughs> but you but the point. vote and find out. 
<laughs> there we go. So being reconciled. You guys know that reconciled equals rejoicing. We have much to rejoice in. If you are a child of God's, even if things stink, we get to rejoice because we've been reconciled to God. We are one of his kids. We have eternity set before us. Now, suffering in the spirit. If you guys look at verse 3 again, it says we rejoice in our tribulations. Why? Well, verse 5 tells us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. You guys know what I'm talking about? You can't explain it. It's the coolest thing. That agape love of God. Okay? We have earthly loves. Okay? The most intimate type of love you can have is with your spouse, right? But the love of God is even beyond that. It's the coolest thing. I just love when God's loving on me, when the Holy Spirit just pours into my heart and just like, oh, this is stinking rad. This puts everything into perspective, you know? Um, so back to the suffering, guys. God does not cause all that you suffer, but he's going to use it, okay? That's why we get to hope in God. And if you don't have hope in God, take some of the hope I have in God, okay? Just run with the hope that you have in Christ, there is hope, and we get to share hope with others because this world is hopeless. They're looking for hope. Share Jesus with others. I love that the Spirit's mentioned here. The Holy Spirit was mentioned in verse 4 of chapter 1, and then uh, here, and then we get to chapter 8 in a few weeks, and guess what? We're going to see 20 times the Holy Spirit comes up. But the Holy Spirit, what does he do here? He's pouring out the love of God into our hearts. That's what he's doing. Now, you don't know that type of love. You haven't experienced it if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's when you come to faith, you are born again of the Spirit. And once you're born again of the Spirit, then you understand. You have that love. Let's turn to chapter 15. This is where I'm going to throw down some practical things for you and I. Maybe a couple things to consider that we've never thought of before. You guys know Colossians 1.27 tells us that the hope, or Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. Think about that. Now, are you guys in Romans 15? Look at verse 4. For whatever things were written before, so we're talking about the scriptures, okay? They were written for our learning. So the word of God is given that we can learn. That through the patience and the comfort of scriptures, we might have what? A bunch of good principles to live on? To know a whole bunch of stuff about God? No, the scriptures are given to us for what? That we may have hope. That's why we have the word of God. So if you guys ever come and you hear a sermon and you leave hopeless, guess what? I don't think the word of God was rightly presented. Some of you guys are like, whoa, I was way convicted today, pastor. When we're walking with Jesus, do you guys know that conviction brings us hope? When we're in the word, all of it brings hope. If you find yourself in the word of God just feeling the wrath of God, condemnation, you're missing the point in which the word of God was written. It's to bring us hope. 
And when we're in Christ Jesus, we see that hope. You guys know that the scriptures are God-breathed, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16. God-breathed. All scriptures inspired or breathed by God. Think about that. All of it. From Genesis to Revelation. Okay? That we would be in a place to be complete. Okay? And we find hope. Now, when we talk about the word of God being um, inspired, okay? The spirit of God inspired every single word. God breathed, we're told. I want you guys to catch this. The, the word pneuma, how many of you guys are familiar with that Greek word? It's for the spirit. Pneuma. We see it throughout the scriptures, and it's always tied in to the spirit and also to breath. Okay? It's the same thing. The spirit. Breath. Okay? Um, so God breathed on them, we're told, and they received the spirit of God. That's what we read in the scriptures. Follow me on this, Okay? So the Spirit breathed. God breathed His Word. The Word is Spirit. Okay? Came to life as a result of it. Now, what's the name of God in Scriptures? Well, you guys know the Jewish people, the rabbis don't even speak the name of God. YHWH. The leading linguistic dude that we have upon the planet right now he says, we don't even really know what the word of God is. We don't know what it is. Okay? We've got no vowels there. Y-H-W-H. Just a bunch of constants. We don't even know how to speak his name. The Jewish people don't even know what it is. Some people say they do. You know, well, it's Yahweh. Some people say it's Jehovah. J's aren't even in the Hebrew alphabet. Nobody really knows what the name of God is. Now, Yahweh, you can't speak it. But you can breathe the name of God. Yahweh. You can be breathed. I don't know if it's exactly like that, but think about that for a second. Yahweh. Breathing in and out. We're studying the life of Abraham right now. That's where we'll be next week in Genesis. Right now, we've looked at Abram, the man. Next week, we're going to see him change. God's going to change his name to what? Abraham. The breath of God is inserted into his name. Sarai is going to be Sarah. The breath of God into his name, their names. Guys, think about this. How cool is it if everyone's last breath upon planet Earth is the name of God? (sighs) Their last breath is the name of God. (sighs) Giving up the ghost, the spirit. We're told that Paul... When he was there on Mars Hill, Acts 17, verse 28, for in him we live, we move, we have our being. Romans 8, 26 tells us, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For when we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit 
breath. Look at verse 13 here in Romans 15. Now, may the God of hope, so this is the verse right before here. The scriptures give us hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by what? The power of the Holy Spirit, guys. It's by his spirit. We have life in the spirit. And there's awareness of his nearness. Have you guys ever been to the point where you don't even know what to pray? And sure enough, the Holy Spirit, groanings, you know? And I'm so thankful for his spirit. There's times I pray, God's given me the gift of tongues. I love it. There's some times where I call to intercede and I just start praying and I don't know what to pray and I'll just pray in the spirit that way. But then there's times where it's deep, where I'm not even praying in a tongue. It's the groanings. You guys ever been to that place where it's just the groanings of the spirit within you? You're like, what? You know, there's just a depth. There's a peace. There's hope in that And I love, guys, that the scriptures talk, and I'm going to wrap it up here. God's close to the brokenhearted. Do you guys know that? Okay. Um, In Luke 4.18, we have Jesus. It's the first time that he took the word of God, the inspired word of God, and he opened up to Isaiah 61, and he says, the spirit is upon me, okay? It is upon me to proclaim, uh, you know, the gospel to the poor and that I may heal the brokenhearted. The Spirit is upon him. The Spirit is upon us to heal the brokenhearted. And I want to encourage you guys. We have hope. We have hope. El peace is the Greek word for hope in the New Testament. I forget the Old Testament Hebrew word. It means knitted in the Old Testament, okay, for hope. The New Testament, you guys can look this up. It means that we have a joyful, confident welcome. A joyful, confident welcome. That's what New Testament hope is. It's not like, oh, I wish this works out this way. I wish, God, you're going to do this. Okay, and I'm going to get there. No, with God, it is a sure thing. It's a joyful thing. It's a welcomed thing. And I love that, guys. And when we are walking in the Spirit of God, living out our life in the Spirit of God, when we allow the Word of God to minister to us, if it's all from Him, if it's all God-breathed, He wants to breathe life into us, and we are going to find hope. So in closing, guys, I want you guys to respond to that invitation. We've been blessed. We get to come and we get to partake of him. We get to read his word. And you guys know it's on us, okay? You guys, we have a choice in how we hunger for the things of God, okay? Do we want to partake and receive from him? Do we want to find hope in him? read a quote yesterday by Spurgeon, you know, just the blessing of having many different books to read, okay? And we, and we should enjoy them, but we need to live in the Word of God, he said. And that so resonated with my heart. And he's just like, yeah, 
That's what this hopeless world needs. They need the word of God. That's what we get to share with people. Share the word. Okay, We've been blessed with it. Partake of it. Hunger for it. If you don't have that hunger, pray that God would stir you up <laughs> to get into his word to receive it. So I want to encourage you guys this morning. We have a great hope in the Lord. These first 11 verses of uh, Romans 5, I think are so needed today for us as believers. I encourage you guys to go back, chew on these things, count it all joy. We fall into various trials, as our brother James says. So let's stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. God, a simple prayer. I just want to ask for each one of us. I thank you for these brothers and sisters who came out this morning or those who may be seeking uh, just truth. Lord, and we know that you are the truth, the way, the life. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to give life. And I just want to ask, Lord, that there would just be an awareness among all of us uh, that you are there, that you are near to us. God, keep us humble before you, broken before you. Um, you are the hope of the world. And what a blessing it is to know you and to be able to share with others. We thank you so much that your ways are not ours. We thank you that you are up to good. We thank you that life circumstances don't have to define us, Lord, but who we are in light of you and in you, God. Um, help us to live in that truth. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.